Welcome to Pastoring Out Loud, a podcast from South City's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota. If you're interested in learning more, visit our website at southcities.church. It's our new intro. It's just It's not new though, you've just been gone a while. It's true. <laughs> Travel and sickness. Oh my. Well, I'm back. Dave, are you ready to start preaching Genesis again? Yeah. Nick, are you ready to start singing your Genesis song again? We did last week. You did? Yeah. Well, you did. Oh, sorry, you were gone. I looked at the screen and cried at home. Mm. COVID. COVID freely being passed back and forth. Stacy. I did feel bad for you. Yeah, me I mean, too. I, felt bad for me. <laughs> I did actually feel bad for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hi, I've only wanted this for a long time, and now I'll stay home. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Not a big deal. Live stream is basically the same, <laughs> more or less. Good. <laughs> Great. Well, <laughs> this edition is a lightning round on topics concerning Genesis. I've got eight or nine of them. Ooh. See how many we get through. So wait, we're just doing topics? Yes, yeah, boom, just, boom, boom. Because we're about to get back to Genesis, I think, next week. So we're talking about things that like Dave wouldn't necessarily cover in the sermon. But Only people have burning questions Dave about says yep. Rick Shank and Bruce Power are qualified to talk about. I see. Oh, but Therefore, we're going to talk about them. Too bad we don't have them here. Oh, that is too bad. I think Dave, mm-hmm. Dave are you going to speak much during this? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, then I think I'm just going to address every single one of these topics to you, Dave, and you can pass. Defer. You defer <laughs> as needed. Hey, but what, how was the celebration service, guys? Like, was it good? I watched it. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Music was great. Worship was, was awesome really that day. Yep. Yeah. The choir choired. It, yes. You acquired the choir. The choir, the choir was great. Yeah. It was a joy. It was great. It was a lot of fun. It was a good day. Mm-hmm. Fun of fellowship, the meal after, good family meeting. What was the meal? Soup, bread, salad. Stuff. Yeah. Soup, salad, yeah, Like four kinds bread. of soup. Yeah. Homemade rolls. Wish I had been there. I could only listen in. Salad was good. It had all sorts of vegetables in it. Text in. It, it wasn't did. just lettuce. It, it was did. great. It's great. Well, we're going to talk about a few topics in Genesis, ones that probably wouldn't get covered in a sermon series as per se, Generally speaking, I mean, expositional preaching is preaching where the main point of the text is the main point of your sermon. And therefore, what we're seeking to do when we preach is reveal what the Bible itself has as the storyline and the point of Scripture, which we totally believe points to Jesus, which is why we preach through Genesis, pointing to Jesus. But along the way, there are other things that, uh, you know, whether because of our culture or just in common kind of evangelical, um, you know, parlance and, uh, you know, conversation, different things come up like, you know, what about this? What about that? So lightning round. Ding, ding. Let's talk about the days of creation. Dave. Pass. <laughs> Nick, are the days of creation literal? Oh, wow. Is Hebrew yum? A 24-hour period. I think possibly yes. <laughs> I think probably almost certainly yes, but go ahead. Wow. That's all that I, that's, that's. But what about the verse? Really my, uh, that's my entire opinion on the subject. Years. From Psalm 90? Stacy, go. Oh. Yeah, go Which ahead. Moses also wrote. 
A day in your sight is like a thousand years. Poetry. How could God do all the things that occurred in one 24-hour day in the six days occur in one 24-hour day? He's God. How Can you say what you said again? The things that occur... I just saw something I remembered. Um, when he's Go describing to last like, week. Oh wait, it's not in there. Shoot. No, no, no. Never mind. The you know like the vegetation growing and things. How did those things happen in a twenty-four hour day? God made them happen. Into existence. I'm just saying there. You brought up the question. If God can there make are a, other if God can make ways of interpreting age, it yeah. that are then not. He can make plants with age. Yeah. Okay. This well, was that's part of the a, thing about like the stars as well. He created them with light. Halfway here, so they yeah, appear as though they are right, exactly. a million years old, but they're really not. Or he creates them with age already. Yeah, just oh, like he did that. with Adam and Eve. I think the things that are really important about the days of creation is that I, I think they're twenty-four hour periods, um, personally. But there are other views. There's, uh, you know, Augustine took um, the view that there were indeterminate periods. Certainly, there have been other viewpoints held throughout church history. I think what's really important, like like non-negotiable, is that Adam and Eve were real people. Yeah. They yep. really existed, were really created by the breath of God's power, and they were the first parents of the uh, all human of humanity race. and the first to fall into sin and bring such corruption on the earth as the covenant heads over, especially Adam, over creation. Because otherwise... Nothing in Romans makes sense. Yep. <laughs> and significant portions of scripture yeah. that treat them as literal figures. Yeah, um, yeah I, it just doesn't make sense. Your Bible starts to fall apart. So I know people that um, uh, are Christians. They would say that Adam and Eve were symbolic figures or other things like that. I think they're really Christians. I just think they stand on some pretty slippery ground. But in terms of the age of the earth or what exactly is happening with 24-hour days, different Christians have held different things um, with with different levels of seriousness. Uh, I would not so, say I would not say that that's a point worth dividing. Over. I would neither. Right. But Stacy, give us just a little one minute. Th- like, what do you think on that? Well, I really learned- quick. <laughs> yeah, should should we divide over the days of creation? No, Stacey? absolutely oh, oh, not. Okay. And. God doesn't tell us exactly because we don't need to know for sure. He tells us what we need to know, which is that he created the world mm-hmm. and man mm-hmm. and woman in his image. Um, so this is just kind of a fun debate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I did learn about in school a view called the literary framework. Where did you go to school? View Westminster okay. Seminary. and um, Presbyterian. It was a view that I had not been taught before that... They, are, they were not literal 24-hour days, but they were um, the way it was written was poetic and that the days kind of correspond to one another, like day one and four correspond. Forming and, form, forming and filling. Forming and filling. And I just thought that was so interesting from a literary and poetic yeah. um, viewpoint. And so I find that interesting. Yeah. It, it, I think, I'm not saying I, mean, I buy that, and I think they're 24-hour days. I'm not sure the framework would necessarily like remove the literalness from it. No, it, it just doesn't. so much. Yeah. It really hones in on the purposefulness. Yes, yeah. of exactly. The creation days. Yes, that there was. Here's the environment 
in which we're going to put everything on land. Here's the environment yep. in which we're going to put everything in the sea, right. et cetera, et cetera. And that then man is the pinnacle of the yeah. creation. Yep. Mm -hmm. yep, definitely the case. So, Anything else about days of creation, Dave? Nope. Okay. God created. Great. Was the worldwide flood literal? Was it local? Was it symbolic? <clears throat> I should have said, was the flood. I'm tipping my hand. Like, was the flood. Was the worldwide was the world flood worldwide. local? Huh. Or okay. was, was it flood worldwide? Literal, symbolic, worldwide, <laughs> regional. What would you say? Worldwide. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Worldwide. <laughs> worldwide. Okay. It says it went even up to the top of the you know the highest mountain. Oh, um, so uh, and the destruction and devastation. So everything that we see in the genealogies after the flood all points back to Noah. So if you're looking at the Bible as a cohesive whole, which we do, like just like creation and Adam and Eve being literal, Noah the flood being literal makes the most sense of the text. We believe God. We take Him at His word. Could somebody say that the flood was regional and still be a faithful Christian? Probably. Yeah, say yes. Yeah, you, they could. I don't think that's the best way to take the text at all. Um, but in terms of like, what are you losing? Like, I, I think you're losing things when you look at Genesis 1 through 11 as just this symbolic as like long, background mythological kind of thing. Well, as long as they had a way to account for all of humanity being destroyed in a regional flood. Yeah. Because they hadn't spread far enough or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good. All right. But that who, has to happen in the flood. All right. Who are the Nephilim? Dave, who are the Nephilim? You mm. talked about this a little bit in your sermon, didn't you? Or not? Really big people that are on the earth. <laughs> More like you, less like me. Sure, that's true. More like Shaq. More like Shaq. <laughs> <That's> like. <laughs> who, who are the Nephilim? I mean, my, uh, my take, uh, it's mainly based on jumping forward to First Peter and some of the ways that he talks about it too with the flood and different things, is that they are in some way fallen angels who are... Uh, looking at the the women on earth and find them very beautiful and somehow they reproduce this strange giant race. Mainly because I think it says they're uh, sons of man there. I think that's what it says. And that, that phrase is really most used for angels. Uh, sons of man or sons of God? Oh, maybe sons of God. Sons yeah, of yeah, God. yeah, yeah. And that's used mostly for angels in that. The Old Testament. Definitely like Second Peter and Jude mm -hmm. kind of take more of the attack of like angels that did not yeah. keep their place, yeah. but uh, lusted after yeah. um, you know, unrighteous flesh or something like that. Yeah. Um, any other takes on the Nephilim? Okay. Let's talk about the ethics of forcing your, or maybe forcing is the wrong word, but offering your slave girl to your, husband as a, um, somebody to carry <coughs> your child. So kind of a, uh, what, what's that called? Um, a, uh, surrogate, surrogate mother. Is that, is that ethical? <laughs> Why are you looking at me? You know what, Dave, is no. that ethical? 
No, no not, that should be okay. an easy no, right? <laughs> All right. Not ethical, Stacey, you want no, to tell us No, I mean, it does not go well. I mean, we see all kinds it, it of things. It doesn't go well. What it doesn't does go mean? well for them. I mean, that was God's plan that that's what happened, but that it's not a I mean, good. This plan in one sense. In one sense. But in another sense, we don't see anything where like, he's certainly not commanding it, right? Right. And he has already told Abram, like, your wife, Sarah, is going to have a kid. That's not what happened. Yeah, I mean, I think I think what I said in the sermon is it would have been very common in the ethics and mindset of the day. So in one sense, they probably would not have been as outraged by it as we are, but I think it very clearly was Abraham, I would say, doubting yeah. and disobeying God's very clear statement to him about what was going to happen. And yep. therefore, I think we can say... Yeah, we can look at the the whole of Scripture. I mean, even just Genesis, uh, Genesis uh, one and two, man and woman made together, helper fit, yep. all that stuff, and go. That's what marriage is meant to be. Clearly, this is outside of God's mm-hmm. design, yep. and God's clearly revealed will to Abraham. So it was it right was bad stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it comes up as an example of not trusting God. Yeah, it's bad stuff. So it's not viewed in, as a oh, this is fine. Now, Abram, the par excellence example of a man of faith, also pawns his wife off on two uh, kings. Kings, also various not superpowers, good. Pharaoh and then Abimelech, so the Egyptian king and the Philistine king. Is that, uh, what do we think about that? Is also, that Abraham not trusting God in his promises. Okay, all right. Was that a s- sin? I mean, let's just like call it what it is. Is are it ethical or not or ethical? It? Was it a sin yes. for him to do that? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I think, just want to use like normal language. Dave preached that way too. Yeah, I did. I mean, what I said is that I, I sometimes think it is. Oh, because it was the nuance in the Pharaoh one. Keep going. Yeah. Well, I just think that it is. Uh, it's maybe going too far to say that he pawned her off on a king because it wasn't like he asked the king to take her in. It was more that he. By inaction. He lied yeah. and then passively stood by while a king did what kings did back then and take whoever they wanted because they were king, you know? And so I think, so I would say his inaction and his lying was sinful uh, because husbands are supposed to provide and protect. Like that's right in Genesis 2, you know, like there's mm-hmm. this there's this obligation you have to to your to your bride. Um, so I think, I think, yeah, it was sinful. I just, the only reason I made the nuance is because sometimes we're like, oh, he gave his wife to the king. You know, I, I don't, I think it was, I think the the whole culture was pretty messed up and that a king could just go yeah. take yeah. a woman like we see a later Israelite king do. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So we got, right. I mean, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no heroes in the Bible who do it all well, except for Jesus, you know, and that's, that's part of the storyline of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we're reading a lot of descriptive things in Genesis about the culture of that day that are not prescriptive, a.k.a. handle your your, dating and everything else this way or, you know, polygamy or other things or polyamory or or normative. Right. Um, Ethics of circumcision. Is it okay that uh, (laughs) God commanded that Abraham circumcise his entire household, including boys... I mean, if, I don't know if you've ever seen it. One time, you know, we were uh, downtown and there were a group of protesters outside 
the Minnesota clinic, uh, all raising their little things about circumcision being um, mutilating uh, for male genitalia. Uh, is it ethical? Is it okay for God to say, like, be circumcised? And this is the, well, I mean, what is the point of circumcision? I think the point was that if, if, as you're looking at God's uh, covenant line, which is why there's genealogies and people and records that show this is really happening in real time, God's really working in real time, that God is marking the way that that line gets carried on, which is through, uh, which is through reproduction. Um, and so I think it was meant to be symbolic that way. He's, uh, he promised a, an offspring, right? Mm-hmm. And so he's marking this line of offspring. And the way offspring happen is reproduction. So I think, I think yeah. that's what's going on. And so is it ethical? It's God. So I think that it was right and symbolic. And I mean, even the, even the uh, language, it's carried over into the new covenant to have circumcision of, of our the heart. heart. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's pointing towards, Colossians you know, reproduction too. and you enter the family through removal of flesh. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which is the heart reality in the new covenant. Right. Should Christians circumcise their children today? I'm not telling people what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's, it's, I, I, it's it not, a it's covenant not a, sign for yeah, Israel. Yeah, it's like, not a new covenant reality for us, so that's a, <laughs> it's up to you and yours. Okay. Research. <laughs> all right, last one I have, and then you guys can jump in with all your additional ones that I know you have in the back of your head. Uh, if today someone comes, or no, not someone, a voice appears and says, take your child and sacrifice your child. Why is it okay for Abram to go about doing that? And it's not okay for you to do that. Any answers? I mean, I'm going to get a shot at it. Uh, Go for it, I Dave. I thought I was just going to say pass this whole time. <laughs> I think uh, I think that sometimes we look at uh, that event like it's kind of this random act or random leap of faith. And I think that Abraham had had time after time after time of God teaching him to trust him and that he would uh, provide a way to continue to keep his promises and to continue to uh, do that by his power. I think when we get to Hebrews, that's what we see is happening, that God has given him so much evidence that he'll keep his promise that this line will go through Isaac, <laughs> that he feels he feels like that God's, God's going to provide a way out of this thing. Um, and so I think I think he's still torn up about it, but I think I think that's what he says. And even even if he ends up dying, I think yeah, Abraham yeah. believes he's going to be raised up from the dead again. Yeah, yeah. God um, himself will provide a sacrifice, or like right. the author of Hebrews says, yeah, you know, yeah, he was able to raise him even from and, the dead. And all this evidence, and this is how the offspring is going to happen. So I think that Abraham is not. I I it's just such a different context tied to covenants, tied to personal revelation from God over and over again up to this point. Yeah. Um, that I just think it's a different situation. Yeah. Yeah. Than if a voice spoke to me right now. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Different time in covenant history. Abram clearly knew the voice of God in that regard. The way that we know the voice of God is not in that regard anymore. Right. 
That's right. On this this particular age in covenant history. Good. Are there any ethical challenges in the last half of Genesis that we're going to face? Oh, man. It's some bit ugly stuff. It's, get, it's, it's getting darker and darker. It does get ugly. It does. Man, that family line really screwed up. Really screwed up. Well, any other things in the first half of Genesis you want to talk about while we're here, guys? Nope. Well, thanks for this lightning round. We will be back next week with the recap and with more on Genesis. Genesis.